Welcome to Messy Closet, the spiritual journey of Generation X. I'm Roseanne Carlo, and here we explore the 70s, 80s, and 90s in New York City, and the lessons my friends and I may or may not have learned. Thanks for tuning in. I took a little bit of the week off just to decompress, but I realized it is the last day of 2022. It's New Year's Eve. And sadly, we've lost Barbara Walters. And it is also the one-year anniversary of Betty White's passing. The iconic women know how to make an exit, don't they? But my love to Barbara Walters and her friends and family and all of us fans out there who really did look up to her because she was truly a legend and truly an icon. And of course, what we've missed this week is Greta Thunberg not only took down Andrew Tate, which I just found out who he was really, in an epic tweet, but he responded to the point where he got himself arrested in Romania because the police were able to locate him by his pizza box. So he and his brother are detained in Romania on human trafficking. Speaking of human trafficking, David Miscavige, the Scientology leader, is also missing because he's wanted for human trafficking. And the funny thing is, Andrew Tate wouldn't have gotten caught if Elon Musk didn't reinstate his Twitter account on the guise of free speech or whatever, and then the servers were down on Twitter, and then it took him a few days, and he just admitted that he unplugged something. This man is just like a menace with money. Just a menace with money. So anyway, that's what happened in the week. Now, I am going to tell you all the most New York 1990s New Year's Eve story you will ever hear, and it takes place in the Bronx. 30 years ago, New Year's Eve, 1992. So my friend Tina had stayed at my apartment the the night before. So the 30th to the 31st, Tina slept at my house. We got up on the 31st and we had some breakfast and we were hanging out around my house. And then I jumped in the shower and I put on, I remember this clearly, a white turtleneck, a blue and white plaid shirt, a white coat, and then I had a hat, scarf, and gloves. I'm sure it coordinated. And we were waiting for Tina's father to come pick us up. And my mother, I guess making a joke, looked at us and said, Famous last words, don't get too drunk. And I'm like, my 16-year-old self, because this is 1992, 30 years ago, my 16-year-old self said, bingo, (laughs) challenge accepted. So in my mind, that was permission to get drunk. Now, keep in mind, Tina and I both that year had turned 16 years old, and both of us separately with our schools. She went to high school in the Bronx and I went to the Catholic school in New Rochelle. But for some reason, within the 90s, at least a large portion of it in the New York area, 
many schools took students on trips to Europe, and most of it involved Italy. And she went to two other countries, and I went to Switzerland and Italy, and then a stopover in London. But we had both gone to Europe that year, and in Europe, at 16, you can drink. So we had to get our parents' permission to drink, which they had to just sign, you know, a little note saying it was fine. So we both were sort of like introduced to the culture. So our parents were like, ah, they'll be responsible. <laughs> Famous last words. So this happened back before cell phones, when you couldn't call or text from the car saying you were on your way. So Tina's father left the house and her mom called my house. My mother answered and told us to be downstairs in 20 minutes. Her father would be there. Great, no problem. So my mother says, don't get too drunk. And, you know, all the bells and whistles are going off in my head. We go down the stairs and go outside and her dad comes to meet us. We go to the Bronx. We get there. Tina gets in the shower. She gets ready. What I remember most is that she had put on a pair of pink sweatpants and a pink sweatshirt to go under other clothing. And I think I had on like thermals under my jeans. It was really cold. So she puts on her coat, her hat, and all of that stuff. And I'm not 100% sure because we used to walk sometimes, but most of the time we would drive. So I don't know if we got a ride. Her boyfriend also lived across the street from her. So we may have gotten a ride with him. But somehow we arrive at Pelham Bay Park. So if you don't know Pelham Bay Park, it's actually the biggest park in the boroughs of New York City, and it's located on Middletown Road and Stadium Avenue in an area they call Country Club. So we get to Pelham Bay Park, and it's basically a scene out of an 80s movie in the 90s, because 1992, the early 90s, basically was like the late 80s plus tax. Like we were kind of transforming a little bit into the 90s, but we were still hanging out like it was the 80s, and that was a big thing, hanging out in fields and whatnot. So there's bonfires lit in some garbage cans, and there's 40s. So if you don't know what a 40 is, it's 40 ounces of, we thought, beer. But it was OE. OE is Old English. Old English is a malt liquor. So freezing cold in Pelham Bay Park at 16 years old with a bunch of other teenagers were drinking 40s of OE. There was Budweiser and there was Bartles and James. And that came after walking into a bodega. And if you don't know what a bodega is, uh, we call bodegas what you guys call like convenience stores or whatever, but it's a bodega. So we go in at 16 years old, still at that point, no ID, nothing, because it was the early 90s able to buy Budweiser, Bartles and James, like whatever, drinking, drinking, drinking. Oh my God. So no one was cold. I could tell you that. But now we're like, what do we do? Because we went out really early. And honestly, by nine o'clock, we were like shot, like wasted. Because when we would do these bonfire things in the summer, we would wait until the sun went down so it didn't start until nine. For some reason, we were out way earlier. Don't know why, I think we were just excited. So now we're like, wasted. 16 year old wasted kids running around the Bronx. So we're like, what do we do? Oh my God, now we're getting cold. Now we're getting hungry. We like don't know what to do at all. And 
we stop on Crosby Avenue in front of a city bank. Tina's like, let me find a quarter, let me find a quarter. So she sits on the floor. I don't know why on the ground. And she's looking for a quarter. And I'm like, no, no, get up. And I'm trying to pull her up. Like, get up, get up. We gotta, we gotta, don't call your dad. I was so scared. I was so scared of her parents. More than I was scared of my parents. And I don't know how, again, but we ended up at one of her friend's houses. And she goes, my mother will know what to do. And we walk in, God knows what we looked like, smelled like, God knows. And her mother didn't know what to do. She said, call your father. This is my address. Now, everywhere that you lived in the Bronx, it was pretty simple, you know, to find the other homes and everything. Like, you did not need navigation ever. So, anyway, her father comes to pick us up. And all she turned to me and said was, don't talk. Don't say anything. Just just don't talk and he won't know we're drunk. Okay. So, we get in the car and I distinctly remember him, like, giggling to himself, like chuckling, laughing, like, oh God, these two girls. So now the car ride, because we hadn't been in a car yet, as you know, makes everything worse. And it's the winter, so he's got the windows rolled up and the heat on. (laughs) So we get to her house. Now, when we left my house sober, we had to walk down three flights of stairs, and like out a cul-de-sac from my mother's buildings to meet her dad. We get to her house, her father pulls into the driveway, but it's a three-family home in the Bronx, like attached homes, so we still have to walk up a flight of stairs. So now we're like crawling up these stairs. Now we're a mess. And we get in the house, and her mom's yelling, oh my God, what's wrong with you? Why did you do this? I'm responsible for Roseanne. You're crazy. And she's yelling. And I end up going into the bathroom and just like laying on the floor. And then Tina knocks on the door and she goes, Ro, I don't feel good. And she had taken off like her coat and everything and I had not, but she, warning, this is gross, got really sick all over herself in the pink sweatsuit. So I looked at her and I got sick all over myself and she jumped in the shower with her clothes. I'm like, wait, when you're done, leave that water on. I jump in the shower with my clothes. Oh God. Her parents are like spinning, probably like, oh God, these two, they're so young. What are they doing? They'll probably never do this again. But her mom, being old school Italian, says, all right, go to bed. But apparently Tina was like, I'm not sleeping in my room. And I wasn't going to say, yeah, okay, I'll go sleep in your room. So we threw her brothers, her poor brothers, we threw them out of their room so that we could sleep in their room and they had to sleep on the couches. So her mom was like not having it, like not having it. So this was not even midnight when we got home. I don't even know how long all of this took to get like settled. Her mom was like, "Uh uh-uh, girls, no, no. You think you're going to drink on New Year's Eve? Get up. So she starts banging on the door. It's almost midnight. Get up, get up, get up. So we drag ourselves out of bed. She goes, here, you wanted a drink? Have some champagne. And we're looking at each other like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. But she wasn't going to let us go back to bed until we learned a little bit more of a lesson. So we said, cheers, happy New Year. Salute, actually, we said, because it was Italian. And we sipped the the champagne. I think we finished it because we're not. So we passed out again. Now, if you've ever seen those videos 
on social media of like people that dress up like the Italian mom stomping on the floor and making noise, making coffee and stirring the coffee, turning the shower and slamming doors and starting the vacuum cleaner at 6 a.m. and slamming it into doors. Well, that's what she did. She slammed it into doors and she had bacon and scrambled eggs cooking and coffee made. And I mean, she was mad. She also like wanted to make sure, you know, we were not going to be like still sick. So she had like the toast out and, and everything. And I, I can't even believe she like even just didn't yell at us after that. But I remember that she's just like, eat it, eat it all. And we were so sick. And she's like, well, you're not going to feel better until you do it. And I hope you learned your lesson. And all I can say is we did not. <laughs> we did not. That was one of the first of very many wild nights. And when we say the phrase, but did you die? That's what we mean because we learned how to like survive these crazy situations and somehow like our parents witnessed a lot of the downfall of it and just like laughed at us. I mean, I guess we were doing some of the things maybe they wanted to do when they were young. So we did like get in trouble, but it didn't stop us. We just found sneakier ways to do things. And that, my friends, is the most 90s New York, New York City, Bronx, New Year's Eve story you will ever hear Gen X style, for real. This is how we lived, this is why we are the way we are, and this is why we're not overly sensitive to everyone else's sensitivities because we actually had to pay in front of our parents a lot for what we did and then find new ways to be sneakier. But they still knew, but they weren't gonna stop us and they couldn't. We were like out of control kids, but we were also kind of like feral kids growing up too. So it's like they kind of expected it. It was just very funny. But when you grow up Gen X, but you grow up with Catholic Italian traditional values and you're doing these things, it gets a little messy. But that is probably one of the most New York stories that I have from the early 90s. And with that, I want to wish you all a very healthy and prosperous 2023. And thank every single one of you who has tuned in. I'm at over 25,000 downloads because of all of you. And I could not be more grateful to each and every one of you who tunes in. Thank you so much for listening to the spiritual journey of Generation X.